Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode five of Take Me to Your Leader podcast. Hey, Evan, how are you doing? I'm doing great, Ron. How are you? You excited for episode number five? I am excited for episode number five. We have a really cool guest. We do. And that's going to be a fun interview. Uh, talk about all the comments we have. Yep. Got back. I, uh, let me just check and see if any have been submitted, and I see none. Okay. So feel free to leave comments. Uh, doesn't matter what platform you're on. Yes. Uh, you might notice that uh, this podcast uh, or this episode is available on Amazon Podcast. So we are. Um, really? Yep. Now stream. Did you know that? Do, no. Do we get invited, or is uh, that we put it on there? Well, I got I got an email, um, so we'll we'll say we got invited because that sounds cooler than yeah, saying yeah, yeah, yeah. We figured out how to get. They it. asked us. Uh, yeah. Amazon called, asked us to be on their podcast. Yeah, stream. another Jeff, Jeff That's something. Awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. mm-hmm. Well, the so on Apple, if you leave a comment like it, you go up in their standings because it uh, your listenership is more engaged. That's what I heard. Are you fishing for likes? I am. That's okay. exactly what I'm doing. <laughs> okay, good. I just want to make sure yeah, we're on the yeah, same page. Yeah. I, was just, yeah. I thought that was clear. <laughs> well, consider me in the boat with you. I'll fish with uh, okay. you. Okay. Right. Yeah. So more likes, comments on the podcast gets more exposure. So. Yep. And the purpose of the podcast is to hear cool stories from leadership and then also some leadership ideas, uh, how different people have led and progressed in their careers and some hopefully pretty cool stories that uh, that we can share. And uh, we also um, wanted to talk a little bit about the charities that our sponsors are given to. Yep. So uh, we have a list of charities, and each sponsor gets the list now, and they can choose off that list who they want to send their money to. Right, and so all the, the sponsorship money goes towards... Um the charities. Right. That's how we've been doing it so right. far. Right, and they're all local mm-hmm. charities, and so uh, so today's sponsor will be picking off that list. Yep, and we'll, for sure. We'll go over that. Um, right. Yeah, and just to revisit the point here, uh, because it, it's been a little while, so I feel like we can uh, jump back into this. You know, we um, Ron and I both work in. Um, the the main building for Warwick uh, Mechanical Group, and so we get to hear a lot of these really cool stories. Um, and not that every leader on the podcast is in the same building with us, but we just <clears throat> the, these these roles uh, afford us the opportunity to hear a lot of these stories. So we get to uh, use this podcast as a way to. Uh, get those stories out and distribute them to uh, our company and our community, uh, the greater uh, community around here. So um, we we do appreciate that that opportunity to get them out there. And again, who are you? Oh, my name's Evan Bartley, and I am the IT director for Work Mechanical Group. And who are you again? Uh, Ron Clark, Ron. I'm the vice president of the service group here at Work Mechanical Group. Nice. And nice. our guest today is none other than. Steve Parker. Steve Parker. President and COO of Warwick Mechanical Group. And we're excited to jump into his story today. That's true. And Steve, it's you're a busy guy, so have you actually sit down with us and chat? That's pretty cool. So looking forward to uh, some cool stories and things. Even though this is the second or third time we've yeah. I've tried to push it off, but yeah. here we are. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, yeah, and we'll take those handcuffs off. <laughs> as soon as we're done, as soon as we think we've got enough information, we will we will unleash un, uh, you there. So, uh, 
Do you have a little He's bit of He's not the first person to be sitting in front of these mics uh, that that got roped in yeah. by Ron. A little reluctant. Just yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, this is the first yeah. time I've taken your handcuffs off before we even started. So, yeah, yeah, I feel like there's no point in yeah. uh, you know. I mean, yeah. I'm excited about the stories now. We've, heard, we've heard some really cool stories, and, yeah. and we get to hear some more. So And leadership, too. I mean, leadership is... Uh, Leadership has been around since the beginning of humanity, but it's, uh, um, you know, it feels like it's always changing and, you know, individuals' leadership styles change and we always figure out uh, there's areas for all of us to improve. So um, I'm certainly not perfect and I'm uh, willing to learn from others' mistakes, you know, Uh, and also their, um, the successes, try to uh, learn from those as well. So anyway, without further ado... Um, Steve, you are uh, the president and COO now and have been for how many years? Uh, as president? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I need to go back and look, but it's probably been um, six, maybe six or so, seven, cool. six, something like that. And uh, so Steve's full-time employment with Warwick Mechanical Group, uh, Warwick Plumbing and Heating then, uh, started in 1983 uh, when you uh, had graduated from ODU. Is that right? That's right, yes. And uh, Go Monarchs. Out, say again? Go Monarchs. Monarchs, yeah. that's right. Yeah. And <clears throat> you started out as a um, in a project manager role then, although that's that was not the beginning of your work with Warwick. You, you worked before then with Warwick, right? That's right, Can yeah. You, uh, I was... Uh, you know, putting myself through school, and uh, I was able to do some. I, I was actually in the laborers' local back then. I was paying dues to the to the uh, AFL CIO, and uh, and was working out in the field uh, doing some manual stuff. So yeah, nice. And then um, putting yourself through school, graduated, started as a project manager. I'm kind of giving a thirty thousand foot view, and then we'll uh, jump back in and. Uh, because I think uh, well, I think we'd like for Steve to fill in some of the gaps, yeah. sort of, um, and the, the timeline. But there's <clears throat> the project manager role, and then you transition to vice president role somewhere um, around 2004. But before that, there was um, some time in the pre-construction design, right? That's uh, correct. And management, um, and then after. Uh, vice president into an executive vice president role, and then uh, into the, the president and COO role. Um, Steve currently serves on the board for um, Old Point National Bank. Uh, he serves on the board for HELP, uh, which might get you to talk a little bit about, and then also serves on the board for the Greater Peninsula Now. Yeah, it's just a group of business leaders that sort of are assembled to sort of influence uh, you know, some of the growth and opportunities here in our region. And uh, Steve's also involved in numerous charities and um, <clears throat> has been involved uh, with uh, local church and other opportunities around um, this area and in, in North Carolina. And so uh, we'll get to hear about a lot of that today. And um, could you sort of walk us through that timeline that I just gave a really high level overview and talk about what um, sort of led you uh, on that path? Yeah, thanks, Evan. 
my dad actually was a foreman for Warwick. Uh, he had transitioned from uh, Tidewater Construction Company, and he uh, came in to the union sort of a non-conventional way. He had to study hard and, and took a test and actually earned his way in, and he was working for a couple companies prior to Warwick, but when he got uh, with Warwick, um, yeah, I, I could I could tell that it was a good company, and um, you know, as you said, I started working for Warwick in the summers to help you know pay for some of my <laughs> spending and pay for college. But before that, as a 16-year-old, Warwick wouldn't hire me, so <laughs> I, uh, uh, I was looking for another job. And and my dad said, "Well, the job we're on now is Green Run High School, and uh, W.M. Jordan is the general contractor." And uh, I think they would hire you. And so it was during that time I learned what a Georgia buggy was, which is a, a two-wheeled uh, cart to move concrete. And I also found out how important it was to keep job sites clean. But the broom was my friend that summer. Um, but that, uh, that helped uh, with the purchase of my first vehicle. So there was that. And after that, I worked for another mechanical uh, contractor that was Hicks and Engel. They're not in business anymore. But... The fellow who I knew that got me that job was Henry West, and Henry West had two people on his crew at that time. One of them was David Grew, and the other was Tim Caddy, and uh, David Grew went on to form Hampton Roads Mechanical, yeah. which is uh, still going on, but that was a, that was a nasty summer at a sewage treatment plant. Uh, <laughs> then after that, I was able to get on with Warwick, and I guess I had aged out to our, where I could uh, legally work with them. And uh, so, yeah, got to work for with a couple projects uh, during summers and over Christmas break, um, including the Westminster Canterbury, which was kind of fun. We were talking about that uh, last week, um, you know, working as a laborer out there on Shore Drive, building the first building out there. So it was a lot of fun. That's cool. Excellent. That's cool. Is that that picture you showed us? Yes, uh, it was an. We have for, for some reason we uh, somebody took an aerial shot of that. It was a building that was in progress, and if you look at that photograph uh, over on the lower left-hand side, there's where where Warwick had their office compound, and somebody had the foresight to paint a <laughs> WPH on the top of that building. Um, it's the photo is sort of old and faded, but when my dad retired, I. I dug it up out of the office here, and I brought it to him, and it was uh, it was something that he appreciated. Um, funny enough, they're, they're getting ready to go through another major expansion, so I called my mom and asked her if she could find that photograph, <laughs> and so she she dug it out, and I dragged it back to the office. So it's a boomerang photo. So That's is there? Awesome. It is a very cool photo, and yeah. the fact that somebody had the foresight to put WPH. I mean, this was back in the 80s, is that right? Late yeah, 80s? Yes, early, early 80s. Yeah, early 80s. So they had the foresight to go on the roof and mark it out because they knew it was going to be an aerial shot, and it's, you know, in perpetuity now. But um, could we take a picture of that photo and put it in the notes of the show maybe? Yeah. Because, I mean, so it is we'll, a cool photo. What we'll do is, uh, at the very least, we'll, we'll have um, we'll have it posted either through LinkedIn or the show notes. Okay. All so... Right. Um, I just think, I think everybody to, would be to find that, that picture. Everybody that's that works cool. here would like to see that food. Yeah, that's pretty cool. cool. So it was a good gig too. If you can imagine an 18 year old whose uh, job it was to take a four wheel drive truck and drive on the beach to move pipe from one side of the site <laughs> to the other, that was just a lot of fun. <laughs> and sometimes we detour up and down the dunes, but uh, <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, that was nice. That was fun. Nice. So I was on a, um, with a group of men from my church, and I don't know if Steve remembers this, and we were going to a Promise Keepers uh, get-together mm. in D.C. We stopped at a rest area <laughs> on the way, and I, I, I guess I had met you in an office setting before or something because I knew your face, mm. knew the name. I definitely knew David Parker. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I knew David Parker. And saw you, and we saw each other there and just chatted. Do you remember that? I do remember yeah. that. It was yeah. very uh, he, random sighting of yeah. Ron Clark out in the wild. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so, and it was then that, um, I don't know, it was just you, you see somebody else who's doing the same thing you're doing, mm-hmm. and you have immediate connection, you know, and mm-hmm. it was just like, man, it was really cool seeing somebody doing what we do in the HVAC business, going to the church function. So anyways, that was really cool. And then we kind of stayed in touch since then and um, mm-hmm. and uh, saw Steve's career from afar. And then we have lunch from time to time. And then um, as fate would have it, <laughs> 13 years ago, I guess, it's probably yeah. about this time of year that in 2011 that, that we were just having lunch and yeah. Know, it was kind of like, yeah, the time was good. Yeah, yeah, that was that was cool, cool, cool memory there. Mm-hmm. So um, now, when you went, um, you were at, you were at Warwick, and then you went to ODU. Uh, what caused you to go to ODU, not stay in the union? Well, well I was in the laborers' union, which yeah. is not the plumbers and pipe fitters' union. Okay. But uh, as I was working in some of the summers, I saw what the the men and and there were no women at that time. I saw what the men were doing. I thought it was pretty cool, and it was a good career for my dad. So I said, well, let me go uh, sign up for the the plumbers and pipe fitters' union. And so I, I found out that. Uh, back then, there was a three-and-a-half-year wait list <laughs> to get into the four-year apprentice program. That's crazy. And so it's like, you know, this is like in, late in my senior year of high school and, you know, figuring this stuff out. And um, so I said, well, my, I did pretty well in, in high school. And I said, well, in seven-and-a-half years, I could be a doctor. So let's <laughs> let's look to the other college route. And uh I knew I was going to pay my have to pay my way through, so um, yeah, Old Dominion was close by. I could live at home, and uh, you know, engineering seemed to be a good gig, so that's what I started in. And I was, it, I looked at the uh, publications at the time, and electrical engineers made more than mechanical engineers, <laughs> so I signed up for that's, electrical. That's how we all make decisions. Nice. That's back yeah, it was house. like okay, <laughs> and uh, it was the first semester of my uh, uh, electrical engineering. Uh, studies that my instructors helped me understand that that might not be the best uh, route for me. So I uh, reevaluated and went went to mechanical and, and uh, so yeah, that's where <laughs> nice. I got my degree from Dominion. And it's been good for me. That's, yeah, it's worked out for all mm-hmm. of us. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's good. So um, as you were going through uh, the you you graduate, you come to work full time. You kind of knew Warwick already because you would work here a little bit um and you're going through uh the progression work every day handling projects things like that at some point you were asked to take a bigger role and be over people so you're not just managing yourself or managing project you're managing people 
do you remember when that transition was or do you remember the feeling of uh oh i'm responsible for for other employees now well it, i i was able to actually do a summer internship with warwick i was um I was driving a flatbed truck back from uh, what was New, New Shipyard then, and it had empty uh, barrels of bunker sea oil, which is old, you know, just heavy, thick, tar-like oil. And I was wrestling those 55-gallon drums, and I got word that somebody in the office wanted to see me. So <laughs> I dragged myself in there, and uh, it was like, hey, uh, we're getting ready to graduate. Would you, would you like to uh, work in the office this summer? <laughs> and that was like an easy decision yeah. for me. And so it was, it was you know, more money and air conditioning, so I was yeah. in. Um, but uh, it was during that time I got to see a little bit about how Warwick did their uh, business. And interestingly enough, back in that day, uh, an estimator would estimate a job and then they would project manage it. And oh, wow. what uh, George Goodson at the time said was they were transitioning to an estimating department and a project manager department. And they wanted me to work in the project management side. And so, you know, I, coming out of school, I saw, I knew a little bit about what they did and I got a chance to uh, step into some projects. And so, you know, as you're talking about leading people, um, you're, it's always about influencing others. And it, you know, whether you're managing a project and trying to, you know, herd the cats or get the material on the site at the right time, it's always about influencing people to, to get something accomplished. And so, well, I didn't really have any direct reports. Um, it was, you know, just sort of working, working the system, if you will, and, so, mm -hmm. you know, and, and found out, you know, what worked and what didn't work. So that's... Uh, and then it, it, over time, you know, moving into a pre-construction manager role, I don't even think we called it that then, but there was a project, <clears throat> uh, it was USAA, uh, <laughs> which was the Mid-Atlantic Regional Office. That was a pretty, it was an icon project in our market. Uh, mm -hmm. J.A. Jones was the general contractor and they selected Warwick. And so I was involved uh, early on in the, design meetings with the consultants, which was really cool for a young guy. And, um, I, I, you know, having to see at the table was, was something I really liked. And, and watching that project go from sort of concept through uh, final commissioning was, was actually something that got me going. Mm -hmm. and high that, energy. It was high energy, <laughs> and it's like, let's do that again, do yeah. that again. And, and once you have one under your belt, I mean, we just looked for opportunities to do more of that. Yeah. And uh, it, was, it was really pretty fun to do that. Um, you know, Riverside uh, Regional, they were redoing their energy plant at the time. So it was a fully functioning hospital and they wanted to replace all the equipment in, in the hospital, which uh, was a logistics nightmare. <laughs> yeah. uh, Forest Coil and Associates were the engineers of that project, and so they needed a strong mechanical to figure out the logistics of how we're going to keep people in beds and not hurt them, and change all the equipment yeah. out. And that was that was one of the big, uh, big challenges early in my career. Yeah. When was that? Do you remember? It was um, actually I do remember because you know you talk about inflection points. It was in 1994, I believe. And um, uh, Royden and I went to the Riverside uh, offices and we did our presentation. <clears throat> and afterwards, we went out to lunch. And it was at that lunch, he sort of said, Steve, you're on a good path here. You know, we closed this job. That's pretty awesome. You just you stick around and I think, I think uh, you know, you'll, you'll have a good career here. So it was, 
you, you look, look for those little uh, tidbits of affirmation <laughs> yeah. and clues. Yeah. Uh, my name wasn't Goodson, and uh, George Goodson, and Royden Goodson, and you know, Pax Goodson, and Royden had some kids Goodson, so <laughs> I, you know, I, I thought the sort of things were pretty well settled, but yeah. uh, stuck with it, and so it, yeah, it did. It, it worked out. It's pretty cool. So far, it's pretty good. Yeah. So far, right. <laughs> Can't wait for the future. Yeah, see what happens. I, I remember one. It was one story. It was kind of funny. It was it was uh, four thirty or so, and I got a call uh, from Clancy and Thays, and they said we want you in our office at five o'clock. And I'm like, oh my gosh. Okay. So no, nothing other than that. I show up at their office at five o'clock. They usher me to another vehicle, and I said, where are we going? <laughs> Like we can't tell you, so we're driving over. It turns out we ended up at Cannon, Virginia, and uh, they, we walked around this huge building. And they said we we need to build another one of these. And so take some notes. We need to put some budgets together. And so that <laughs> afternoon, I'm okay. It's a condenser water loop. We've got this, that, and and so I'm making some notes. And uh, yeah, from that one walk, it it, it turned out to be a really uh, really cool project for us. Yeah. Uh, so, so yeah, that, that's that's the kind of thing that got me going yeah. back then. Yeah, it's cool. Wow. That story of a Clancy Thay's a general contractor that we partner with all the time, and for them to have the trust in you and in Warwick to say we're going to share this, get it, we'll get this project done. I mean, that's yeah. the cool thing. It had to be secret because they didn't want employees seeing others walking around, and they, it was economic development people were in play. The governor wanted to make announcements. So it was all on the down low, and <laughs> so putting all this pricing together so they could, they could figure out what this was going to take. So, yeah, it was a lot of fun. So, Ron, sorry to uh, cut in here and take a break, but uh, we're talking a lot about trust and uh, also talking about some of these complex projects, big projects uh, with Steve today, uh, which is really interesting. And it got me thinking about, man, I bet it's important to have relationships with vendors and trade partners uh, that are capable and trustworthy. Yeah, you, now that you mention it, I mean, it is critical that we have our partner vendors um, work with us on all these large projects. It's the only way to make them happen on time, under budget like we do. And uh, one of them, though, that uh, rises to the top because they're sponsoring this episode is Ferguson Enterprises. Nice. Don't you have something? That, I do. Uh, I have uh, some information on Ferguson right, right here. Well, so first let me all, share that with you. Yeah, thank them for sponsoring this episode. Yeah. And uh, so they'll have uh, their their money will go to um, to a local charity, uh, but as sponsor. Uh, we will tell you more about Ferguson right now. So at Ferguson, we have a very distinctive culture anchored in customer service. We are a relationship business. Together, we help build more than homes and office buildings. We help build relationships, which is what Warwick is all about. Uh, also building trust, confidence, and community. Also, we're under a lot of loud airplanes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. Thought, it's it's almost like a running joke now with our podcast how much extra noise we have. And it's I like, was like, maybe that dumpster 
over yeah. there didn't make <laughs> what's it in the background. Be, what's it going to be today? And all of a sudden, the jet comes by. Yeah. Yeah, we'll yeah. get to a point. At some, at some point, yeah. we'll, maybe we'll have our own studio, sound counts, canceling uh, you know, equipment. Yeah. That's all very exciting. Yeah. But, uh, but you we as will. the listeners, you guys are right here with us yes. in this. Uh, in real this, time. In real time, yeah. yeah, this, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, sort of real time. I know well, it takes a while yeah. to get these episodes out. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Maybe we'll back that up and edit it. Maybe not. All right. So, uh, but a little more about Ferguson. So there, Ferguson is a leading value-added distributor in North America, providing expertise, solutions, and products from infrastructure, plumbing, and appliances to HVAC, fire, fabrication, and more. Ferguson exists to make their customers' complex projects simple successful and sustainable. Ferguson is headquartered in the USA with its operations and associates solely focused on North America and managed from Newport News, Virginia. So right here, right down the road from us. Yeah, they're all over, uh, like everywhere you turn, there's like a Ferguson. They've they've got quite the uh, operation going. So we really appreciate their uh, getting involved with uh, sponsoring this episode as a way to uh, support a local charity. And um, so uh, thank them. You can call them and and thank them for sponsoring this episode on uh, Take Me to Your Leader. So uh, without further ado, back to our conversation with Steve Parker. Well, we always ask everybody on the podcast to talk a little bit about your leadership style, maybe. Do you know what your style, what you would consider the Steve Parker leadership style? Well, it was, I don't know how many years ago it was, but uh, Royden walked into my office one day, and you talk about a good influence on a person. Mm-hmm. And we'd, you know, we've had a good relationship, and he handed me a piece of paper, and it was basically his uh, a listing. He'd spent some time, I don't know if he'd gone through a seminar, but he'd spent some time writing down his values and his leadership style. And we were growing a little bit at a time, and he wanted new hire to sort of understand this is sort of my blueprint. And so I, I sort of d- did the same thing. And uh, so, yeah, my, my leadership uh, style is more of a servant leader to you know, not ask somebody to do something I would not be willing to do, roll up my sleeves, and let's sort of step in and, and get it done. Um, yeah, so I actually wrote down some things. Um, I'm a non-confrontational type person. Uh, I'm somewhat conservative. I'd rather, much rather... Uh, spend time preventing a spill than <laughs> cleaning one up, yeah. and so I'm, I need a lot of information to make decisions. And um, I can make a quick decision; don't like it, but I'd rather have more information to sort of think through it. Yeah. Sometimes that frust- frustrates people, but I understand that. I'd say that's accurate. He frustrates people, or his leadership style, Evan. Jeez, yeah. Yeah. Uh, no. you tried to get me fired when Debbie was here too, yeah. didn't you? Yeah. <laughs> um, but we also coals. I just like to to make sure you the, the coals are right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Keeping you on your toes. <laughs> um, we also ask a lot of the guests to tell us about a time they failed. Mm. Um, and either what they learned from it or what others learned from it. You know, so could you, off the top of your head, could you think of a time you might have failed or what you would consider a failure? Well, I, I can remember back in 
you know, during the Great Recession, we sort of made it through 08 and 09. We, we got through that pretty well. We had a lot of backlog, and we thought we had sort of escaped. Mm. And um, But what was interesting is we didn't really have a lot of uh, backlog coming in. And so we went from 60 to zero fairly quickly. And, um, you know, we were held on to people. It was we just it was hard to, you know, turn people away or, or lay them off. And, um, you know, just thinking back, that was that was probably something that was um, damaging to the company. Um, um, and that so that was that was certainly one thing. Um, you know, it's, you know, don't like making mistakes. Uh, and so, you know, sometimes living in fear of making a mistake, I think that was Maxwell who said that's the worst mistake. Yeah. <laughs> You know, not not leaning into opportunities, but uh, you know we've made some bad hires uh, over the years, and uh, but we've many 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 more good ones. We have such a, a tremendous staff here now, but you know when when you have a, a hire, uh, somebody who decides to leave, when you've got a relationship-based company, hmm. uh, you know a, a leave is a breakup, yeah. and it, it you cuts, get your feelings hurt. It cuts kind of deep. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And sometimes people have left and, and uh, you know, just makes us rethink, you know, the transparency that we have as a company. It's like, you know, somebody leaves and you know, I'm calling Evan. It's like, Evan, uh, was there any computer activity or whatever during that time? And he'll give me a report back. And the tendency is, with, all right, let's be less transparent and let's lock down and sort of pull the trust level back a little bit. But then you realize that that's not who we are as a culture. And, uh, you know, the, the value of the culture that we have is, is worth the risk, you know, that are involved. So, yeah. um, mm, I you live and learn, you know, you yeah. just live and learn. Yeah, I think, um, and I think, I think it was you, Steve, that was saying it in a meeting we were in one day that um, it's the price of our values sometimes is just... Uh, it costs us something. It costs us something, you know, and... Yeah, there's been hires in my division where, you know, you look back and you're like, oh, man. And um, but I don't know if we do it any different. You know, it's right. like you got to give that trust, you know, and, and, and you know, sometimes you get burnt by that. And, um, you know, yeah, it hurts. You're right. It's like we're relationship based. So we know everybody we know, you know, and our HAC mechanical world is close knit anyways. Like, you know, we're all know each other and um so it is it is tough when you have those and uh and that <clears throat> you know we talked about you were talking about the hiring um and then having to let people go when we got to the downturn but uh uh you know what would you say is the what change did you make out of that like what what do you do differently now because we've talked about Nobody can predict the next downturn, but we've always tried to prepare so that we didn't get there. And I know you've told me before, you know, you do things a little bit differently because of that hmm. great recession. So you want to share any of that or? You know, a little slower to hire, making sure that we have a need. No one, uh, again, maybe just a little bit cautious, but I, you're not quick to hire just because there's an immediate need. Let's see if we hmm. can find someone in the organization to you know, cover that base. If it turns into to a permanent uh, issue that needs a full-time job, then we'll certainly hire for that. But um, not just hire because, you know, we have a need. Right. Um, so a little bit slower to hire. Um, 
assess it, make sure we can, can't predict the future like you said, but look at the backlog that we have and try to make better informed decisions. Um, so yeah, that, 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 that's probably it. Yeah. Hmm. You're talking about leadership um, style and, and <clears throat> you didn't get this question ahead of time, Steve, I'm sorry, but I did want to ask, <laughs> is there a leadership principle? Because what made me think about this is you mentioned servant leadership. And so um, it seems to be a, it's been a hot topic for a while. So a lot of, a lot of feelings on that. I, I didn't know though, if there was a particular leadership principle that has resonated with you recently. Hmm. Um, well, <clears throat> excuse me, the trust factor is, uh, is something that I am learning more and more every day. Again, there's a cost associated with trust, but if you lead with trust, you know, you do leave yourself open somewhat to get taken advantage of, or, you know, information may be used against you at some point. But if you, can, if you lead with trust and you can gain trust, I've said this before, it's like a tailwind, whether it's in relationships or in projects and deals. Um, but if you don't have trust, it's a headwind and you're going to have to fight it. And so, you know, learning to, to be vulnerable and to, to say, okay, there's a potential here. You know, our business model is with, with pre-construction is to be very transparent. If somebody engages us in a project, we, we tend to provide more information than they're expecting. Again, to build trust and say, here's, here's what this project looks like to us. And, um, you know, hopefully we can turn that into something that we get to build. Sometimes we don't, but more times than not, if we can get to the table and engage in a conversation with uh, particularly an owner, the engineering team, um, and a general contractor for sure. Uh, it, it's a good recipe for success. So um, that's, that is one thing that comes off the top of my mind. Um, it's interesting you, you mentioned relationship, and I, I know that this, I mean, it's such a parallel to the professional world, but you, community and relationships directly in our values, right? So it's like um, I hear a lot of conversation about how past hurt can really affect your ability or your tendency to uh, open up in community, right? And it's it's hard it's hard to get past it, but you have to sort of um, not allow the past hurt to uh, impact your your uh, willingness to be in community, and so that's a direct parallel, mm -hmm. and that you're talking about here. And so, you, yeah, it, it's a higher risk, but it's high reward. That's good. Yeah, one of the things that you asked me about my leadership style, and, and uh, as I made my list, I, I wrote down things that are important to me. You know, my Christian faith. Um, you know, there's some values instilled in there, and as I wrote down some of those things, like valuing people and relationships and honesty and integrity. You know, some of those uh, uh, values that we hold as a company ended up on my list as well. And it's a, it makes it very easy for me to work here. Um, uh, you know, professionalism, you know, sort of presenting well, excellence, all of those things are sort of fit into, you know, how I'm wired. I have the opportunity to meet with new hires, um, pretty much all of them uh, on day one or somewhere soon after day one will come to me and, and I get a chance to sit down with them and go through these values. And I tell them the exact mm -hmm. same thing. Here's who we are. Mm -hmm. You're going to make mistakes. Um, 
and we can understand mistakes. We're going to learn from our mistakes. But if you start coloring outside the lines of you know this DNA that we've taken some time to put on paper, it's probably not going to be a good place for you to work. And um, so that's it's sort of on day one. It's like here's where, here's the playbook, and so mm-hmm. you, you stay in here, you're going to do pretty well. And if you've made it this far in the process, we think you're a good fit for the company because as much as we interview for you know the technical side, it's more about a cultural fit uh, than. It's as much about a, a cultural fit as it is your yeah. technical abilities, and and you all have been on both of you guys have been on the hiring side of this, so yeah. you, it's, it's true. Yep, and the other cool thing is uh, about six months in, right? Um, after Steve and and usually somebody in our leadership, that we've all expressed values and uh, what our expectations are, and the, you know, again, mistakes is not what makes you not wanted at work it's when you get outside of that value system and you're you know you're lying or cheating or trying to do something underhanded but in six months after you've had all those conversations everything we come back and say did we live up to it you know we had a lot of talk before you started right you know we got you in the door we hired you is there anything we said along the way uh over these last six months you know and then steve has a couple questions that he asks them and um I've heard from all the ones that I've hired, you know, they say, I just, you know, it's, it's incredible how much you guys stay true to those values mm-hmm. and, and they appreciate it, you know, cause a lot of times, you know, you trick them to get them to work for you <laughs> and then they, by then they, they, they can't switch, leave, yeah. right? Yeah. So we just want to make sure that we're not doing that, that we are living up to our values. Cause you know, we, we can't get in an echo chamber and say, Oh yeah, we're the best. We do everything right. Right. And then, mm-hmm. you know, but then you ask these new hires and they're my favorites. The ones that have been here, you know, a less than a year when I can go to them and go, okay, well, you've been here a while. What, what, what are we doing? You know, what, mm-hmm. where can we improve? Because I know you're seeing something that you're like, why do they do this? You know, so let me hear it. You know, so that's, that's important. It's a good point. I, we've, I think we've talked about it bef- before, but just to be real clear, I mean, the, the, a new hire will meet with uh, Steve and talk about, we call it the PVV meeting, right? Purpose, vision, and values. And, and then, Six months later, they meet with Steve again yeah. and sit down, and Steve basically asks, uh, how are we doing? It's on this? typically or, or a questionnaire. Or a questionnaire, yeah. yeah. So yeah, they respond some, to that, and they, yeah. so they get um, a direct you know, communication. To, and it's more than just purpose, vision, and values. Of course, we want to know if, if we're you know, you know, pulling through with what we're advertising. But mm-hmm. it's like, you know, I've not worked anywhere else. <laughs> this is my only thing. So it's like you've, you see this company through fresh eyes. What surprised you? Uh, what mm-hmm. are we doing well? What what could we do better? And so I really value that feedback. And um, you know, for people that have worked other places, not you know, some pla- some folks are coming here from you know businesses that don't don't really have a a good environment. And this is a it's a bit like a fresh a breath of fresh air. And mm-hmm. I I love like Ron said, reading some of these things is somewhat affirming. Um, and you know, sometimes there's 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 uh, a thing that's like. You know, we need to work on that. Yeah, and yeah. I, uh, for uh, sure. I, there was a. This may get edited out, but uh, <laughs> one of the comments was, "There's not enough ladies' restrooms in the building." It's like this is Warwick Plumbing and Heating. We don't have <laughs> enough ladies' rooms, and so we looked at what that what we could do to sort of change that. And uh, I would have never known we didn't have enough yeah. ladies' rooms. Yeah. And so it's like, and we we made some changes, and and uh, funny enough. 
a month or so ago, I asked the question of that employee, yep, it's, it's gotten better. Thanks. So anyway. This is where we're going to announce, too. We're turning your office into a ladies' restaurant. <laughs> Mine? Yeah. Did you hear about this? Nope. <laughs> Just kidding. We Dang would never on. do that. Then you couldn't do this podcast. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it is. It is. You know, there's there's this. Um, not to sound like it's all calculated, but there's a very there's a measured approach to following through on these values that you see in a you know a six month questionnaire, and not that that's where the feedback ends, right? right. That just is sort of instills a culture of receptiveness and and collaborating on whether it's a you know falling short or you know celebrating the things that we do well. That's that's all in, encouraged, but then but the measured approach, I think that. Um, I would say Steve probably had a, a lot of a big part in that, and because he is, uh, he's an engineer, and he talked about how he he wants to do it right the first time. He can make a quick decision, but he'd rather you know have some time and make sure he he can think about it. And that's because we we joke about it being frustrating, but in reality, it it I think it it really matters to to show people in your organization and outside the organization that it's worth considering, it's worth the time, mm -hmm. and it's worth doing right. right. And if there's a problem with that process, we can talk about that too. You know I mean? Yeah. So I just think that it's um, it's interesting to see how that, uh, you know, shows. It's counterintuitive, really. Some of these things that we hold uh, as <laughs> values, uh, they're not really conducive to making money. Yeah. I mean, that one plus one doesn't equal two you know, based on our playbook. But when, um, you know, we were getting larger and we needed to sort of codify uh, who we were. And so it was Royden who pulled together a group of employees. And we spent several days working through who are we with the whiteboard. And, and so as a result of that, um, you know, we came up with this list of values. And then, you know, we talked about our purpose and what our vision was you know, to be preferred. Um, and so over the years, we've sort of added some taglines and various things to make these things more portable. But um, that's how it started. It wasn't the, the whim of a person here. It was sort of like, all right, who are we? And then it sort of just, um, just sort of fell out of that. Yeah, and it's, it's not a magic formula. It's, it, it's funny. I think it was the Cook brothers that used to say every year they'd come up with their strategy for the business and they'd mail it to all their competitors. Hmm. And they were like, why would you do that? And he said, because we're going to execute it better than anybody else. It's what we believe in and what we do. Hmm. They're just going to try to copy it. And I feel like that's a little bit of us is like you couldn't sometimes we we get a job or we you know, we have something happen and you're like, well, how did that happen? And it's like, oh, you know, we were just doing our job. <laughs> it was like, you know, mm -hmm. we didn't, didn't trick anybody, didn't do anything illegal, you know, just, just doing our job. And, it, and it's, sometimes people try to, well, I'll leave Warwick and take everything I've learned over there and go do it there. And, and it's just, I haven't seen it be that successful anywhere else. And it's, because it's just, it's who we are together collectively. It's not one person, it's not one process, it's not one thing we're doing, it's just, this is how we do it, you know? And so every situation you look at it, Jeff Cash was the one that said, I think he said it on the, the last podcast, is it's easy to work here because you just always do what's right. Now, doing what's right might lose you some money sometimes, like Steve said, it doesn't always make you money, but mm -hmm. 
it's going to make it where you're in it for the long term mm-hmm. and you're doing the right thing for a long term. So um, that's one of the things for me when I came over here 13 years ago, it was like, you know, I could be myself and do what we have to do for our customers, right? Mm-hmm. It's like you focus on the customers, focus on our people, everything else takes care of itself. And so that's, you know, that's why it's so important to have. The other thing is a lot of companies will meet the first day and ask a lot of questions, talk about their values, and they'll meet six months and talk about their values. But it's usually going through HR. It's like you have the president of the company sitting down with you one-on-one the very first day, explain how important it is. You know, that's different. That's a little different, right? And so so that, I think, sets it apart, um, you know, to, to, to employees. And, and, again, that's why when we do have a maybe not necessarily a bad hire, but we just lose somebody, um, and it could be for legitimate reason, right? They're, they're more money and they're in a different career, a different, you know, what they want to do or they're moving, and it's like, you know, you lose them. It does hurt because you did have these conversations and you did talk to them and you did like them and you do want them to be a part of the team and now they're not a part of the team. So, um, But, again, that's that's part of the whole process. I'll add, too, that it's not like you ever arrive. I mean, yeah. holding these values is hard at times. Um, and, you know, that might sound sort of counterintuitive. Like that's who you said you are. But, you know, when you're put in situations where, um, you know, you're forced – and I've got these – you know, as long as I've been here, I've got these values plugged on my, uh, pinned to my bulletin board right above my phone and my computer. And, you know, there are situations, you know, ethical situations where you've got to make some decisions. And, you know, by the law, sure, they're, they're fine, but you have to run everything through a sieve. I, I can remember, you know, whether to pursue a project or not. I got our leadership team together and I said, all right, um, there's a little check in my spirit about this project. Uh, what what do we think here? So it's not always black and white, and so we we, we do need to uh, hold each other accountable. Mm-hmm. And if somebody sees me doing something wrong, they, they should call me out, and 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 me them likewise. So yeah, um, you know, if if I see in a in a corporate setting or a meeting where uh, I think an employee has disrespected somebody. Uh, my tendency is to not say anything to them in that meeting, but to go to them in private and say, let me see, let me let you see how that landed on me. And you just think about it. Mm-hmm. And, and um, so anyway, so yeah, it's, it's always, it's always a work and uh, it, it doesn't always come easy. And uh, when we were talking about the, the mistakes earlier, if you remember, the last podcast I, I had an I was going to bring this up. You talking about Jeff? <laughs> yeah. As soon as you mentioned Jeff Cash. <clears throat> yeah. So. Well, uh, Royden's Hampton Yacht Club, and we ended up in Steve Parker's office. Mm-hmm. And what was your <laughs> recollection of that, Steve? <laughs> that was a great part of that, that podcast. Uh, <laughs> you guys, uh, you and Royden marched in and something to the effect, well, let me tell you one thing. This guy's made more mistakes than just <laughs> But my recollection of that was he was coming in to help bail the service company out of the, yeah. the service department out of this uh, little issue. And so, I mean, it was a yeah, gnarly. Yeah, that part was true. It, it, <laughs> it, it was a gnarly problem, and uh, mm. we sort of worked through it. So, but, yeah. yeah. I remember, the, the, I won't say any names, but I remember in that yacht club, there was a member that because of the sweating, 
his liquor cabinet would swell up and he couldn't get into his liquor. <laughs> <laughs> Swollen shut. <laughs> Royden was like, we got to fix this one. <laughs> I'll never hear the end of it for this guy. You know? <laughs> so, yeah. But, I, you know, and that was, we were extremely nervous because it's just like, oh, man, of all the places. And we walk in and, you know, we're, we're going to lead with the conversation with that. And you're nervous and yeah. you guys are nervous and you walk in and, and put me on the spot. It's like, okay, I, I knew better. <laughs> yeah. but it's like, all right, let's figure this out. So yeah. it, was, it was a yeah, great way to like, handle the problem. And that's, that is a, a great example, a great story of we're just going to do what's right. We're going to fix it. Because we had already spent all the money that they paid us to do it, right? So, But we're going to fix it, right? And that mm-hmm. was the, the part where Steve came in and helped us out of that jam. But it was funny when Ryan said, this guy pointed out, <laughs> he's made more mistakes. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Roy. I could just, I could just picture it. You know, Steve's like doing something else, right? And, and then well, he started looking at the drawings. He's already trying to figure out the plan. And then he just says just that. Just gets thrown under little, the bus like, yeah. who put me in the middle of the road Wait, here? Why what? am I here again? <laughs> so, yeah, that's a good one. Um, do you have any other uh, Royden stories like that? I like the part about him taking the lunch. I didn't know that one. That was a that was a big deal for yeah. me. Uh, Royden has been just sort of a great influence, and uh, you know, on, on a lot of fronts, he's a super smart guy, and uh, you know, he he's uh, quick to you know throw some accolades at the rest of the team here in the in the company, and it's always good to you know, be on the receiving end of some of those. But he's been a great leader. I will say um, it's it was remarkable to watch the transition between his dad and Royden. Um, it was, you know, a lot of people say seamless, but it was, it was amazing to be part of that. Um, and so, you know, Royden is still uh, working and he's still influencing the business, but not so much in the day to day. And I, I don't know if people have seen, you know, sort of the same seamlessness in that leadership transition, but uh, we're still the same company we were. Uh, we may be doing things a little differently, but uh, still still the same same group. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, other Royden stories, um, I, I, I'd need to spend a minute thinking about those. <laughs> there, there are plenty. Uh, well, you talk about Steve was hard to get a hold of to nail down for this podcast interview. We're going after Royden, so Royden, we're coming after you, just so you know, but... Uh, Getting him to sit down, that's going to be a, a task. <laughs> that's when the stories will roll out. Yeah. Uh, he has get, some great ones. Get yeah. him to talk about, you know, how Warwick Plumbing and Heating was, was founded. Uh, you know, I've gone back through the archives and, and dug through, and I've got some tidbits, but Roy will have probably some more of the details. But in, in, in just a general, uh, the way we got started was, uh, a general contractor at the time in 1952, Inderbrock White, uh, bid on a school in Suffolk, and they won the bid. And then they said, well, we've got to get some uh, plumbing and heating in this thing, so let's form a mechanical company. And it's like, oh, my goodness, I can't imagine doing that these days. I know. But, uh, and so, yeah, and then get Royden to fill in the rest of that story. Yeah. But, um, so here we are. Yeah, seventies plus seventy-one years later. It's it's crazy to think about how long it's been around and how it got started. Yeah, and he he does have some stories. Those will be some great stories. The um, they've done quite a few projects. You mentioned a couple of them. Um, 
the Canon one was huge. That was a big one. Um, can you think of any other that you would put like in your top three? I don't know if it'd be favorite project or most memorable. It might be memorable for a bad reason. <laughs> I don't know. But. Well, the the USAA project I mentioned was memorable because we had a pretty uh, we had a uh, large pre-construction role there, but it was also uh, the HVAC system was a dynamic ice harvester, which is this massive ice machine that sits up above a big concrete tank, and it just made ice. And so this ice slurry would be <laughs> built uh, at night when electricity was cheaper, and then this 300,000-square-foot building would be conditioned using the ice water uh, during the day, so you just circulate the water. And uh, this is probably not going to play well on a podcast, but at the bottom of this concrete ice tank, that it was probably, I'm going to say, 30 feet tall. You, they build this iceberg. There's these, I think there's three ice harvesters on top, and this iceberg, this ice machine keeps dumping ice. And this iceberg forms, and it was pushing down on the bottom, and we had this... Um, header around the perimeter at the bottom and the iceberg crushed the piping Ooh. and uh, so we had to go in after the fact and replace that pipe because the water was short cycling and going right back and it wasn't cooling like it should and so we had to hire divers to go in and uh, we had made these stainless steel headers and had them pre-drilled and uh, it had to be done at night and we had divers and so I was there, and it was it was they were the ice tanks were not completely uh, thawed out, so there was still cool water in there, and so we were in these. Uh, I wasn't at the time, but these divers were in these uh, hard hats and wetsuits with uh, lead uh, footies, you know, to get them to the bottom and lead weights around. And so when they got finished, they said, "Do you want to go inspect?" I was a project manager at the time. "You want to go inspect this?" Like, well, yeah, I want to go inspect it. <laughs> So uh, anyway, it's a bit embarrassing. I, I put on the stuff. I got my lead weights on. I'm making my way over to this manhole, and I'm, I get over there. I'm two steps down this rung ladder, and I'm huffing and puffing. And, it's, and the radio in the hard hat says, are you okay? I said, just give me a minute. I got to catch my breath. And I could hear them laughing on the other end. They said, turn up your oxygen. So I <laughs> turned up the oxygen, and it made all the difference in the world. But, uh, so, yeah, I was just uh, Oh, breath. my gosh. Was, I, am, I am sweating over here thinking about getting into this. Oh, man, some of the projects that, that we work on and then just hearing about that. Oh, I would lose my mind. I am an IT guy. So I I just I don't belong there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Next underwater project, we're going for Evan. Yeah. yeah. Nope. I have been here that. for forty years, and I am amazed at the talent of our uh, men and women these days out in the field who get this stuff done. Yeah. Uh, we do some very hard, complicated things, mm. and um, it's it's just remarkable. I can't express enough appreciation at. As every time we have our, our workforce together, I try not to miss the opportunity to tell them how grateful, you know, we are. There's, you know, in our company, 400 plus families that depend on Warwick to provide, and um, you know, we can do all the planning, and, and that's all important. Yeah. But if we can't, if they can't cash the checks that we write, we're all going home. <laughs> yeah, right? that's right. So. That's right. Uh, 
yeah, it's a pretty big deal. Yeah, I think about it all the time. We we put them under <clears throat> all kinds of constraints. You know, this summer we did four schools that we completely changed the type of air conditioning in the schools for the kids. And we couldn't start till the kids were out of school. And then you had to be done at least two weeks before because teachers come back, number one. But number two, you, you make a mess. So it takes a week or so just to clean up the mess you made doing all the construction. And, you know, you watch it and you get through halfway and you're like, are we going to be done? And, man, they finished. They did it. And and it's that's just four projects out of, you know, 100 will do. And it's... It's just amazing how good the the men and women are when it mm-hmm. when it comes to really getting it done. So, yeah. um, you were talking about. <clears throat> I'm sorry. It, it, maybe this is just too detailed, but you were talking about the ice on top and how it's used to. We've done other projects like that too, right? Isn't the there's a. Uh, I guess we say it on the podcast. The Ferguson Building um, Ferguson. does the same thing. It's a pretty mm. impressive. Right. Basically, a big block of ice freezes yeah. at night and then cools the place. During the day, yes, uh, that was a. I mean, that was an interesting project in that sometimes the facilities that we build are leased to the occupants, and sometimes they're owner occupy. In Ferguson, uh, as we talked about the life cycle cost of using ice, the building wasn't initially going to have ice, but as we talked about, you know, what this could look like, uh, they they liked the idea, and um, you know, so they that was uh, one where we we added value and you know, the cost went up a bit but um, the you know Randall and his team did a great job of selling that um, we've done a bunch of ice storage over at Regent and CBN one of my favorite places to work in our market uh, the staff over there is always great to work with um, Mariners Museum mm-hmm. used to have some ice yep they have the ice tank still, still. Ice. yeah we just put a new <clears throat> ice chiller in huh. Yeah, so, so it's not. Uh, it, it takes an investment, and you have to manage it. It's a. It's very. It's somewhat labor intensive to pay attention and, and watch how you're building because if if you're basing your savings on staying under a peak, once you break the peak, you're stuck with it for a year. Mm-hmm. So you got to have a really good control system and, and stay on top of that. But uh, hmm. that's cool. Yeah, sorry to rabbit trail there on a. No, technical. It's a, it's a, there's cool systems. Um, well, I, I have the the last question that we talk about, but did you have any others before we get to this one? Or? Oh, a lot of pressure. <laughs> Questions. One of the cool projects that work worked on was the Sandler Center over in Virginia Beach. That was sort of uh, was tagged as a world class environment for acoustics, and that presented. A, so several challenges we were yeah because hvac doesn't make noise does it uh, oh my gosh yeah. <laughs> well this this system actually introduces air under the seats and uh it's very quiet and um so that was, it was just a different experience when you get an acoustician involved and <laughs> talking about velocities of air and ductwork and where you can put plumbing pipes and different things it was uh, it was it was a fun project to be part of which led to a couple other performing arts uh, uh, projects too it was good to have on our resume Uh, which is one of the things we've worked on um, Steve mentioned a few years ago um, because you begin to realize that we are getting older and so other people are going to have to come behind us and 
you know, keep this company going? And uh, how do we expedite the learning curve? Does that make sense? It's like Steve and I both have made a lot of mistakes that helped us <laughs> get better, right? Well, how do we help them get better without having to make all the mistakes? They're going to make some because that's how you learn. But it's like, how do we, you know, so we kind of, you want to speak to that a little bit, Steve? It's just like trying to get the new young group to... Well, it is interesting to think about uh, where we've come from, you know, back in the 80s when I started. Of course, the company was found, founded in the 50s, but I just looked at some numbers. In the decade of the 80s, we were averaging about $15 million in top-line revenue a year, and then in the 90s, that went to $25 million, and then in the 2010s, it went to $60 million, and now in the 20s, it's, you know, well over $100 million. And... Um, the interesting thing is we don't we've never really had a growth plan uh what the way we set our annual planning and ron you've been part of this it's like what does how much money do we need to make to take care of our employees and pay full incentive and we sort of back into it it's not like we start with you know growing every year but we have grown every year and we've sort of organically gone where our market took us you know, we haven't done as well as we could in Richmond, but I'm very encouraged by the talent that we have there now. And I think uh, the, our business model here will convey to, to there as we start building trust and people see what we do. So I'm encouraged about that. But talking about this growth and you know, sort of transferring, I can remember you know, within the last 10 years or so, I would see George Goodson on occasion <laughs> at a restaurant or whatever, and he, he was always fun to talk to. George was a mentor of mine early on. As a matter of fact, a funny story was um, we, he was talking about you know giving me a job full time, and uh, I was sitting across from him at a desk, and he took a pencil and a piece of paper and he shoved it across. He said, "Let me see your printing." And of course, <laughs> for people these days, with the, you know everything being electronic, that seems archaic. <laughs> uh, but. Uh, he, you know, we, Al Baruti was, was somebody that I worked under for a period of time, and his printing was horrible, and it drove George Goodson <laughs> crazy. So, so he just wanted to see your hand this was see if a, he could read it. This yeah. was an interview, and sort of this a structured engineering, you know, how are you going to put these notes on these drawings? Because it's Warwick, and it's got to represent well. But, uh, but, but talking to Goodson, uh, George, in these later years, he'd ask about projects we were doing and what kind of values they were, and he'd look at me and shake his head in unbelief. And, and so it's, it's not been a, a, a step. It's been a gradual progression, uh, and we've just sort of gotten better along the way and better uh, if you get better, you know, I think bigger follows. That yeah. might have been something from you know, Chick-fil-A guy. Yeah. Uh, get better and bigger will come along. Um, yeah. But I, what I'm thankful for is that I've been part of the bridge to connect you know, the 80s to the 2020s. And uh, I haven't even left yet, and I'm shaking my head now at some of the stuff that we're doing. <laughs> some of the like, projects is, and the this pricing. Is crazy, and, yeah. the, the cost of things these days. and. Um, you know, trying to not overcommit is one of the big challenges. Keep an eye on our labor force and making sure that we can uh, fulfill our obligations, which is a, a pretty big deal. Um, so, yeah, that's, uh, I don't know if I answered that question about yeah. conveying, but, uh, you know, my role these days is sort of 
you know, cheerleader, keep an eye on, on things and, and encourage and support people where we can. Um, mm -hmm. you know, there are times when you need to make some decisions and we're glad to do that, but we've got some great people here. Yeah, and I'm sure you're like me. Um, you know, well, we're all dads sitting here and you had that moment where you let the the son mow the yard or daughter mow the yard. <laughs> you're like, oh, not like that. Oh, I won't say anything. And they get it mowed and you're, you want to be positive and not point out all the, and it's the same thing at work, man. Sometimes you're just like, just just let me push the lawnmower for a little bit. Just watch what I do. <laughs> Instead, you know, you got to let them push it. And But nowadays it's like a push mower to now they have a, you know, electronically controlled mower, right? So they're out there with an app mowing the yard. And I'm like, ah, okay, I guess this is, you know, and you look at the finished product and you're like, I guess they know what they're doing. I guess it's good. You know, you hope that happens, but it's just, it's been really tough for me to let go of some of the things and let the Laura and the Brandon and the Michelle's handle some of the stuff. So I'm sure it's the same for you. It is. And, but I mean, our staff is so high performance that I, I don't see a whole, we do different, I would do things differently, but um, these days, you know, I'm asked to attend interviews and things more to add a little weight to how important the job is and to tend to contribute, yeah. uh, which is, is a little tough on my feelings. Yeah. Uh, you know, just sort of, I'm going to prop you up over here in the corner and just <laughs> smile. And you yeah, know. Yeah. They, they allow me to do some stuff about talk yeah. historically and things. But, um, but yeah, we've, it's, uh, it, it is, you know, just sort of maintain a sense of purpose as, right. as you sort of relinquish some of the stuff that you were good at. Mm -hmm. I remember, <clears throat> And this is this is a, a funny story, and some people have heard this uh, before. But I was sent off to one of these leadership training things, and part of that was to do a 360 interview of all your people. And and so at one point in this retreat, uh, they had a I, I don't know if he's a psychologist or what, but he's reviewing the 360 and he's looking at my disc profile and all of that. And I'd go in for a consult. And he said, uh, he was looking at the 360, he said, wow, Steve, this is, this is pretty impressive. You know, most of the people in your orbit, people that you work around, are really impressed with your te technical capabilities. You really know sort of how stuff works. And he says, so that's good news. He said, but the bad news is that's not your job anymore, <laughs> which was... Uh, Crushing. <laughs> it was, uh, but it was one of those Ouch. aha moments yeah. that was like, dang. You know that that is right. I need to refocus, and I've, I've said this before. You know, I back during pre-construction time, eighty plus percent of my time was outward focused on the customer. You know, what do they need? How can I market who we are and what we do? And sort of that was sort of an outward focus, and that has transitioned to you know ninety percent inward focus mm. now, and more of an awareness of what's going on out there, and mm. and sort of keeping my finger on the pulse, but. A definite big time transition for me. You know, don't read that in a book. You just sort of um, have to experience it and yep. understand what your role is now. Yep. So, yeah, uh, yeah. And we've got a great leadership team. You know, coming coming behind us, and I'm encouraged by by all of those folks. Um, and and really know that the future is bright at Warwick. Yeah, we do have some some good ones. Um, I did want to say when when you mentioned. Um, it, I think it was Chick-fil-A. 
uh, Truett, Kathy, I think, was, was saying something like that. And I remember having a conversation with Royden when I first started, and and we came up with, you know, well, I might need more trucks, and we're, we might need more tools, and we might, you know. And so one of the things was, well, we're going to get better first. And mm. if we get better, mm-hmm. the customer will require us yeah. to have more tools and more trucks and more things. And and that's exactly what we put our nose down and went, all right, yeah, let's let's be the best. And then as we work and strive to get better, the customers are going to ask us to come out at 5 o'clock and see a building that has to stay. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's like that, that's how you begin to grow. So I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. That, that That's definitely a good one. I will say, you know, I've talked about sort of the corporate growth and what we've done over the years has been somewhat organic. But when... Um, I don't know how many years ago it was, Ron, maybe 10 years ago, you came into my office, sat down, and you, you slid a business plan across the desk. <laughs> and I'm like, what is this? We've not had one of those around here before <laughs> for the service department. And um, uh, it's like, yep, we want to get to X dollars by you know, this time. And I was like, all right, let's do it. But again, we're, you know, we need to focus on better. Yeah. Uh, but doggone if he hasn't uh, pulled it off. Yeah, they, uh, I tell you, my team, you know, it's, uh, you ever have one of those moments where you, you get to that goal that you set and you're looking at them and they're all looking back at you? <laughs> like, and I'm, now what do we do? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I, thought, I was hoping you guys would tell me what we're going to do. <laughs> so, you got, yeah. there, got there pretty quick. Yeah. But uh, I tell you, it, you know, the service comes from construction getting the job done, having customers that love the product, the system that we put in, who better to maintain it than the ones that put it in, right? You know, who better to make sure through the warranty process that we catch everything that needs to be caught and things like that. And, um, yeah, so we've we've gone to, a, you know, what we like to think is a ongoing, we build it, we service it, we maintain it, and as it gets older, we start replacing it. And at some point, we might rebuild the whole thing mm, back to construction. Right. You know, we redesign it, put another system in, it, keep and, going. And that has transformed over the years too, Ron. I will say, prior to you coming on, there was some reluctance to engage service, and now these days, it's a more seamless transition. We look for opportunities for yeah. ongoing service, yeah. and uh, it's a good, good working relationship. When I think about you know the industrial group or uh, the construction group, you know the service group. Uh, even M and R. I mean, there's a high level of confidence across all of those business units. That is, um, it's pretty special, and mm-hmm. uh, it's kind of fun to be be part of that organization. It is. it is, and it's you know great to hear vendors say positive things about someone else's division, so you can run tell you know Mike Parker, hey, you know the guy said this, you guys did well, you did this, so it's a it has been fun to do that. A couple of names that have been mentioned, Mike Parker as the um, executive vice president over the Minton and Roberson uh, sheet metal <coughs> division. Um, and you also mentioned Brandle. Brandle Bradshaw is the pre-construction manager and director uh, pre-construction. Direct, yeah. yeah, direct. Sorry. Yep. Director of pre-construction and design. Is that right? Or is it just and engineering. Direct, and engineering. Pre-construction and engineering. Okay. Yes. 
I'm going to need to write these things down. Uh, uh, yeah. One of the good <laughs> things that we do is, you know, as we're hiring uh, engineers, sometimes and oftentimes they're interested in, you know, a progression. And we're a construction company. And so um, engineers, uh, you know, who aspire to have a license, you have to work in the industry um, for a number of years, depending on what kind of degree that you had. And what Brandel does is he's very intentional. If somebody's interested in pursuing their license, he, whether they're working on the construction side in pre-construction, wherever they are in Richmond, uh, he'll reach across and, and present them with some opportunities to get the experience that they need in order to you know, take the exam. And so we're pretty intentional about that, uh, which is, is kind of cool. Um, again, there's... Uh, it's it's not easy. It takes some. It's probably easier and quicker to do it another way. But you know, if you value people, you want to look for opportunities to help them uh, succeed. And some of those folks have been here for a while and and left. You know, when you've been in business for as long as we have, Warwick's fingerprints are all over this mm -hmm. industry. I I don't. I mean, I I wouldn't say that every mechanical contractor in our market has some, some Warwick. Uh, blood in it, but it's uh, we're we're pretty well represented mm -hmm. in the industry. Yeah. So uh, well, that was uh, being 9/11 was kind of cool for Evan to have the jets fly over while we were having. Yeah, this flyover for mm -hmm. me. That's awesome. <laughs> That's awesome. Yep. Just for Steve Parker. And no, so you're we not, timed it just right. You're not going to mention that Mike Parker, Steve Parker. They both have the same last name. There mm. could be a relation there. Could be. They're brothers. Yeah. It, it was pretty wild growing up in our house. Uh, <laughs> early on, I was working for Warwick. Uh, Mike Parker was working for the sheet metal companies. He worked for Colonial Metalworks and then American Sheet Metal, and then he went over to M&R. And so we would get to work together on projects. And then my other brother, David, was in the controls industry. And David worked for several companies. Uh, Ron smiling because <laughs> Ron knew Dave. Yep. And uh, people who know, know us uh, know that we have the same last name, but they're not real sure we're, we're related. And so there's still, even though Dave's been gone for a number of years now, there's still stories that come up all the time yep. about my brother. That's uh some of my favorite Friday afternoons are sitting in Mike Parker's office listening to another David story <laughs> over there. <laughs> you can say something now because he won't. We can't get Mike Parker on the podcast. He, he's afraid we don't have enough edit buttons. But you could say something that would antagonize him to. I got to go refute that. All right. right. <laughs> can you provoke a rebuttal? Yeah. <laughs> well, you can imagine if my dad was a foreman on a project and uh, I was the project manager and then we had the controls and the sheet metal side. <laughs> it made for some interesting uh, family dynamic there. <laughs> Uh, I bet. Yeah. Try to get my sister to go into insulation, but she's, <laughs> <laughs> she she was uh, not having any part of that. She got her master's in education, and so she's doing quite well now. So. Yeah. Well, uh, usually one question we ask every podcast guest is if you go look back on this career that we've talked about, which has been a great career, Steve. Um, what advice would you give to young Steve Parker, just starting out that you know now, didn't know then, or you know somebody that's about to take the same path? What what kind of advice would you would you give? Well, you know, 
it's pretty unusual for somebody to start their career and stay at one place for the whole time. And it's not to say that there weren't some bumps along the way. Uh, you know, when I didn't think things were moving along, you know, I could never really had any uh, idea that I would end up, you know, in this position. But you certainly want to progress. And it was a it was a smaller family-owned business at the time, and you know, I was like, what else is out there for me? And you know, I had there were a couple other opportunities. I interviewed with the York. Uh, equipment people yeah. to talk about a sales yeah. position because you know that we, we did that and and then uh, Virginia Air Balance so Jim Rudiger uh, <laughs> yeah. you know he and I talked a bit about maybe going over into the air balance world that was something that I learned uh, earlier on and uh, but <clears throat> you know and and you know, there was even a time when I was thinking about a career change that uh, one of the things that I do uh, like to do. Evan mentioned was uh, I like to be involved in our uh, local church and missions, uh, and you know whether it's a group of adults that I get a chance to to talk to or youth for uh, years. Um, I I got some energy out of that, and I was told that uh, you you should be in in full time ministry. <laughs> you should. So I, I mean there was time when I thought about you know shifting just hanging up to cleats and doing something completely different. But it was, it was back in the, I guess it was the early 90s that um, Chuck Colson wrote a book called, uh, the title of the book was called The Body. And it was talking about the body of Christ in sort of industry. And he had just example after example of professional athletes or entertainers or business people or politicians, uh, you know, all of these different industries where, you know, people of faith or use their position for influence. And he said something, and this was I know, 30 years ago, whatever, that had just stuck with me. He said, he said, the world doesn't necessarily need more full-time Christian workers, but it does need more full-time Christians in the workplace. Hmm. And so that was, that was sort of a, a license for me to just stick to it mm -hmm. and maybe affect some influence mm -hmm. you know, in the industry. Um, and so here I am, you know, 40 years later. But, you know, the advice would be, um, you know, wallow out a hole. And I know it's not popular to stay in one place for a long time, but find a good company, wallow out a hole, look for uh, opportunities to take initiative to sort of get recognized and stick to it. And, uh, you know, and just trust that the good company is going to, you know, these days, we're always looking for good mm -hmm. talent. You know, mm -hmm. we we need people to continue to lead, and um, and that would be you know, that was sort of my path. A um, couple mini detours along the way as I thought about some things, but yeah, that would be what I'd say. Mm -hmm. Find a good company, do a fantastic job, lean in instead of lean out, and um, and see what happens. And so that would that would be my advice. I don't I don't know nice. nothing profound there, but. Um, no, that's great, especially somebody at Warwick that, you know, we get approached all the time about leaving from headhunters and from competitors, and, you know, we could leave today and go make more money, and it's like, you know, you get to some point where you, yeah. you know, what do I want to do? What's my purpose? Why am I here? And, you know, you start asking those questions. If you can ask those questions when you're in your 
30s, late 20s, you know, as opposed to waiting until you're in your 50s, mm. you're right. It will help you decide, you know, get with the right company, make your own mark, make your own influence back to the leadership, right? And it goes back to what we said earlier. It's like if you get better, people are going to require that you go into a bigger position and bigger pay and all that kind of stuff. So, no, I think it's great advice. Great advice. Well, there have been people that have left here and, you know, found, you know, what they thought were better opportunities and uh, only to, you know, we've rehired uh, several people. And, you know, it takes a dose of humility for, you know, after somebody's fractured the relationship and they want to come back, you know, like, okay, you know, Mm -hmm. everybody, you know, you've earned the right to, you know, Learn, you learn from that, and, mm-hmm. and so we don't always welcome everybody back, but, <laughs> but uh, we, we, ha- we do have a lot of uh, repeat customers, if you will. Yeah, yeah. I think um, I was talking to um, one of the ladies at St. Jude uh, Children's Research Hospital, she was talking about they have, you know, they hire people all over the country to do the fundraising events and things like that, and she said they have a lot of boomerangs mm. where... You know, you've been at St. Jude, now you can go to another charity, and but then you come back. You know, you see how it's done everywhere else, and you're like, no, I kind of like how it was done here, and so you come back. So we have a couple of boomerangs here at, at Warwick. Mm. <laughs> well, you know, you mentioned the, the charities, Ron, and we're, I know we're landing the plane here, but I have been surprised at the impact of our community involvement, what, ha- what it has had on uh, the employees. Mm. Again, it's counterintuitive. Uh, that you would sort of engage in, you know, whether it's port in the in the wintertime helping the homeless, or you mentioned help earlier, Hampton Roads Ecumenical Lodging and Provision, um, or St. Jude's. Ron, you're a big part of St. Jude's. Um, the Alzheimer's Walk is coming up. We're going to have an open house here soon mm-hmm. where we sort of open up. But the, the impact of those activities really mathematically don't add up to bottom line but it does add up when you're talking about the culture mm-hmm. and, and giving people a, a vision and a sense of something bigger than themselves you know it's like yeah we build hospitals but you know what I've, I've been in some of those hospital rooms where that we've built and um, you know some of my friends have been in there to think about wow that's that's pretty cool mm-hmm. that your you know, schools that you mentioned we've got mm-hmm. we've got employees that have their kids going to schools that have new air conditioning systems. Yeah. Now, arguably, somebody else would have done those systems, but the fact that we're doing them you know, with excellence and professionalism and all those things, we can take some pride in, in the way that we are uh, you know, sort of impacting our community, both in tangible and, and not so tangible ways. Yeah. That's another, another one of the fun things I get to do. Yeah, my... Um my wife works for one of our customers in uh, Dollar Tree. She's an independent contractor, and you know, went to a meeting, and she's like, oh, "My husband's company built this building." That's <laughs> like, it's one way of putting it. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> right. We didn't really build the whole building, but we did do the heating, cooling, and the plumbing part of that. So, uh, <laughs> but yeah, those are the cool when your family and uh, your employees' families. You know, um, you know, we talked about Mariners Museum the other day. We talked about it on here earlier. It's like you know, having some of our employees send technicians to go work on stuff and do preventive maintenance out there and everything, and then on the weekend go 
visit the museum and say, mm-hmm. you know, this is our customer, you know, and how cool the museum is. So it's just kind of neat to see all of that. Um, there was a, Ron, you remember during COVID days when you guys in the service business, every place was shut down. You didn't mm-hmm. have any place to, to work. And uh, we decided we were going to continue to pay folks. And it's like, well, I tell you what, let's let's pack up some trucks. I know this organization that's doing some hurricane rebuild down sure. in Newburn, North Carolina. And we spent a week down there yeah. doing completely unrelated stuff to yeah. uh, mechanical. And, and some of this disaster recovery, I'm still getting calls and questions like, when are we going to do that again? Yeah. It's like, this makes no sense. But... <laughs> It's just a beautiful thing because it, yeah. it touches people at a place that you just don't expect. I know. And those five guys still talk about it today. Yeah. You know, they still talk about it. You know, hey, when can we do that again? Or they'll be telling the other guys, guess what we did? Guess what this company did, you know, when mm-hmm. we were. Um, I think it goes right back to the advice you had for younger Steve or someone in that position where the grass seems greener. It, the grass is always greener. But what matters more, even though it may not feel like it, especially as you're getting started in your career trajectory, what matters more is um, the community, that sense of belonging, whether it's the fingerprint on the on the city for the, you know, the, this company um, and its outreach and support for the charitable organizations or the work that we do driving around and seeing um, it's, it's funny if you like travel with Steve and you look across the <laughs> Norfolk um, sort of skyline and yeah. you're like, okay, that building, yeah, that building, yeah. that building, you know, there's ad nauseum. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, uh, you know, you can, um, there's that sense of belonging and purpose. So mm-hmm. if, whether it's here, or it's in, you know, Missouri or where, wherever it is, you know, think about the uh, investment in your uh, belonging is not just the um, salary or the job title it's mm-hmm. it's really the um that community mm-hmm. which is why it's you know that's part of our yeah. part of our, our values well so. said mm-hmm. yeah yeah very good yeah um <clears throat> so uh steve can't thank you enough for being on here but you're you're kind of a special guest because uh you are the president Mm. Um, is there anything you want to get out to all the employees that are listening right now in particular? I mean, this is your a good shot because I'm sure all of our employees listen to the podcast. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I mean, there's at this point, there's like 2 million listeners. So I can, yeah. it's hard for me to say for sure. But yeah, potential. I, probably, yeah, there's potential. <laughs> well, uh, you know, uh, one of the, if there's any regrets, it's that I don't get a chance to spend time with, uh, all the folks that we have working for us, um, you know, look for opportunities to engage. Uh, oftentimes I'm anchored to this desk here, but <laughs> love getting out to see what we get to do. Um, it's been a tough first half of the year. The second half of the year looks like it's going to be good for us. Uh, it does look like we're filling our buckets that we talk about, and so that's a positive. we got to finish the fourth quarter strong. But... Uh, you know, the economy is is crazy. Uh, stuff costs more. We understand that. Uh, we're trying to do the best that we can, um, you know, to accommodate that, whether it's offsetting some health care costs. I just saw a report just this past week what 
health care and insurance is going to do next year. Mm. We'll deal with that later. But, um, you know, it's, it's a challenge. And I just uh, and I hope that people that are here long enough get a sense that they are valued and, um, you know, really part of a, a pretty cool machine here. So I want to thank everybody for, you know, doing what you do, you know, whether it's processing paperwork, it's unloading a truck, you know, all of those things are required to make Warwick who they are in our community. So I guess I would just close with a big thank you. Uh, um, so yeah, appreciate the opportunity. There was a bit of anxiety coming in here. <laughs> you guys did a great job of keeping yeah. things going. Well, thanks again for being on the episode number five and uh, being on the podcast and sharing everything. It is going to be valuable to a lot of people. A lot of people are really going to want to check this one out. If you've listened this far, <laughs> if you would like and subscribe wherever you're listening and then share it with somebody, right? Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, that'd be really appreciate it. But no, we appreciate everybody listening and, and tuning in. I do get a lot of comments, not on, apparently not on the the actual <laughs> app, but I do get a lot of comments from people from time to time talking about, you know, when's the next one? When's the next one? So, um, so I just appreciate everybody's encouragement and positivity. And the, patience as well. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely the patience. <laughs> All right. We'll see you guys for the next episode. All right. Thanks, Thanks again, Steve. Thank you. See you. Bye.